0: Been in this series where we talk about what it looks like to live deeply in a hurried world. That as we live in a culture that is ever changing, constantly moving, can feel maybe chaotic externally and internally, we believe that Jesus has a life for us where we can feel rooted, where we can feel firmly established. And a couple weeks ago, I was uh, working on my computer. And uh, Leah, my wife, was beside me, and I'm just like working away. And she was like, "Hey, do you know that you're doing that?" And I'm like, "No, because what are you talking about? Like, what doing what?" And she goes, "Do you know how you're breathing right now?" I was like, "What? No, I rarely think about how I'm breathing. (laughs) You know what I mean?" And so I was like, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Well, it seems like you're thinking a lot, and every time you start to like really think, you stop breathing." And I was like, really? I was like, that's why I'm dizzy. Um, no. And I was like, no way. And so I was like, I didn't know I did that. And I feel like a new thing. No one's ever noticed that before. Has anyone ever noticed your breathing before? Outside of like PE, after you like run one lap and you're like, what has happened to me? Um, shout out PE, what a fun class. Um, anyway, but uh, I was like, oh man. So I started paying attention more. I, I just like, was like, I wonder if I do that very often do I just like stop breathing? (laughs) And I noticed that uh, as the busier that I got and and the more that I was thinking about, I started noticing, I never noticed me stop breathing, but I started noticing my really big breath after the fact that I had stopped breathing. My body was like, all right, we got to make up for this. We got to compensate, right? So I'd be in this deep thought and then all of a sudden I'd be like, (sighs) and I'd like start breathing heavily. was like, oh my gosh, just point at myself like, I did it. I did it. I stopped breathing. And like, so what in the world is happening there? I, I noticed that in this past like, month or two, it's just been busier. Um, a lot of responsibility in the fall. The fall is always pretty crazy for, for both ethos and onward. And um, our church planning residency starts up and I help with that. And all the students come back and we have Kroger Sunday and Birthday Sunday and all these things, and much less like teaching on Sunday and trying to like connect with people. And there's just a lot that goes on. And I just noticed that as I was getting busier, as I would begin to think about things that maybe I was stressed about or worried about or needed to get done, I would literally forget to breathe. <laughs> Something that I always assumed was involuntary, and I guess to some extent it still is for me, I recognize I actually still needed to have a little bit of intentionality in my breathing. Have you ever had a season like that? I never knew that it could happen, like breathing physically becoming a, an issue. And in juxtaposition to that thought, I, I noticed that every time I like go to the park and leave my phone in my car, or leave it at home. I just go to a restful place on purpose. I noticed that without meaning to, I just breathe slowly and deeply. So I'll sit down on a a park bench and... (laughs) That was supposed to be peaceful. And it was was like really intrusive. I can't even do it, Um, anyway. But I noticed that as I would go to a park and just like breathe deeply, I was just relaxed without meaning to be. And so I started seeing the difference of whenever I'm stressed and kind of anxious, that it was harder to breathe. And whenever I went to a place that was sort of default restful, it was easier to breathe. And I wonder if recently, in 2019 at any point, have you ever just felt out of breath? Have you ever felt out of breath? And maybe you're relating to my story where you go, yes, physically, I've noticed that I don't breathe very well. Um, or maybe it's just mentally. You go, man, I know what it's like to feel mentally claustrophobic, like I just don't have any breathing room in my mind. And I don't think that you were meant to feel that way. I don't think that's supposed to be your destiny, that you're supposed to feel out of breath. Um, but I do think that at times, um, especially in, 20, in 2019, uh, I almost said 2019, in 2019, that at times it can just feel default to feel out of breath, to feel a little chaotic, a little uh, wore out. Does this resonate? You felt this? E- even when you, you may look and go, I don't think I'm busy, but boy, I'm exhausted. And I think this all is rooted in uh, this word rest, this word rest that I think that we live in a culture that doesn't really admire or care about rest, or if it does care about rest, it doesn't have a really healthy definition of what rest actually is and I believe that God um, wants to give us rest but it can be hard to access it because of our understanding of what it is like I mean I'll just ask you guys when you think of rest if you're not giving me the church answer or like thinking too deeply if you go like on the surface level what do we think rest is I'd love to hear what comes to your mind when you think of like cultural rest sleeping that's actually a great example dang it Netflix yeah what else Vegging out, yeah. Vacation, Vacation. good. Reading. What? Reading. reading. Don't give me good examples. Give me only negative ones. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, reading. That's toxic. Um. <laughs> no, but but what came to my mind, and, and a few of us have already like kind of touched on it, but this idea of like zoning out, of just distancing ourselves from things, and it's like almost like not thinking about important things. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna stop busying my mind with things that make me anxious, and I'm gonna start busying my mind with things that aren't important, like scrolling or Netflix. But what I've seen is that that ends up being your habit. If you busy yourself in moments of, quote-unquote, rest with things that are distracting, your mind is busy nonetheless. Like, your mind is not receiving rest. It's just receiving distraction, right? Zoning out, that we rest away from a lot of things but don't actually enter into genuine rest, or at least this was my experience, and I think this will relate to a lot of us, I hope it does, but I remember you know, when I was in college, I would, uh, in between my college classes and my work shift as a barista, if you guys have ever gotten a latte with awesome latte art, I was obsessed with latte art for a good three years of my life, and, uh, but in between my classes and my shifts, I would watch The Office, and what a beautiful time that was, because I love that show, but... I noticed that I'd have this like two-hour gap between classes and work, and so I'd think, oh, man, I'm wore out. Like, I just, I'm like, tired, so I'd sit on the couch and I'd watch The Office for a couple of hours and then head to work, and I'm not like demonizing like Netflix or anything. I'm not about to ask you to like delete your accounts, but I did notice that I wasn't restful. I didn't regain anything. I actually it almost like I either pressed pause on my fatigue or just added to it slowly for that hour or two, and so I'd head to work and be like, why am I so tired? I just like sat on the couch for an hour and a half. Like I thought that would bring me rest. Like, have you ever, does that resonate? Have you ever like spent some time like vegging out, doing nothing, but then left and been like, that didn't help a whole lot. Here I am still feeling tired. I feel like God was reminding me of this, even this past Sunday, um, the week prior, I worked a lot of like overtime on Friday and Saturday, did a lot of teaching. And so I took two days off, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, of, uh, of last week. And then we always have Friday and Saturday off. That's our weekends because we work all day Sunday. And so I come into Sunday last week having four out of the last five days off of work. So I'm like, in my head before I started that, I thought, I'm about to come into Sunday just juiced. (laughs) Like I'm about to scream all sermon long because I'm just going to be so full of energy. And by the end of the day, I was talking to Brandon at prayer gathering last week. And he was like, how are you? I said, man, I'm exhausted. I don't know Why? I took days off. like I did what I was supposed to do, and I'm still tired, and I feel like God was reminding me that I can slip into this place where I'm not actually going to places of rest. That time off doesn't always equal rest. That vacation doesn't always equal rest. And I feel like God was just setting me up perfectly for this week that we were scheduled to talk about rest. I even had a a house church this past Wednesday where all we talked about was rest. And I didn't mean for that to happen. I didn't mean to do that on house church and today, but God's just been reminding me first, which is very gracious for him to teach me a lesson before I get to teach you, which is awesome. And so today I want to talk about rest. I want to talk about what it looks like to rest with the Lord because Jesus has some really powerful words about rest That honestly sound a little too good to be true, um, but I believe he is a truth teller and a promise keeper. So we're going to read some of his words and then discuss, man, how do we take him up on this promise? So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11. Um, We're going to be in verses 28 through 30. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. What? Oh, thank you. I'm doing the slides. I forgot all about it. I was like, what are you telling me to do? Birthday Sunday. Okay check out the slide. Um, rest, all right. Um, okay, so Matthew chapter 11. Thank you, Sarah. Verses 28 through 30. Um, I'm, I'm in the ESV. If, would someone like to read this over us? That'd be cool. Would someone volunteer to read Matthew 11, 28 through 30? Yeah, come on, Tabitha. And can you, hey, go ahead and just read it one more time and read it a little slower this time. And as she's reading, I want you to really receive what Jesus is saying. Pay attention to what he's promising here, okay? Go for it. Thanks, Tabitha. I want you to just take a second and soak in what Jesus is saying. I know we're in church, so we all believe this is 100% true. But I also know that rest can feel far-fetched, especially deep rest. So just imagine with me, pretend with me, that this is one million percent true and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And just, just imagine coming into the presence of Jesus. Maybe you're sitting around a bonfire or out in the woods somewhere quiet and away from all the noise. And as you talk with him, he actually delivers on this promise. Just imagine what that would feel like to just sense rest washing over your mind. Just yourself breathing deeply, You can just sense that all the things that feel urgent in your mind are just fading away. And you're just there with Jesus. And as time goes by, you slowly begin to realize, oh my goodness, I'm resting on every level. My emotions, my mind, my feelings, my body, I I feel this rest that Jesus is promising me. And I don't know about you, but I mean, man, that sounds super good. It sounds really good for Jesus to, to live into this promise for me, to bring me rest. And growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and so I was always really familiar with these Bible verses. I was, and I was especially, I didn't know this until this week. I was always really familiar with 28 and 30, okay? So 28, where it says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. So just come to Jesus and you get rest, right? Verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what I knew. In fact, if I'd quote the verse, I would have said that. Come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I skipped verse 29. I did not know I was doing this. Guys, 29, like if this is a sandwich and 28 and 30 is the bread, the gluten-free bread, in the middle, <laughs> thanks, um, in the... <laughs> Verse 29 is the meat or the tofu, right? It's the, it's the substance. That was funny too, I thought. <laughs> Never mind. I was, I was really, I was like, oh, they're going to love tofu. That wasn't good. Um, but verse 29, if 28 and 30 is what holds it together, 29 is, is, is the key here, guys. In verse 29, just fill in the blank. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. Whoa! Okay, so it's not as simple as so you know. Sometimes our version of rest can be I just sit back and do nothing. Therefore, I rest. And if you've paid attention long enough, you know that that doesn't quite do the trick. Maybe sometimes, but not all the time. But Jesus goes, you you come to me when you're heavy laden, when you're wore out, when you when you feel burdens. And my yoke is easy. And my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. But you have to, to learn from me. It's like rest is not inactive. It's not nothing. There's this proactive approach to attain rest. And I don't believe it's a tiresome thing. I do believe it's active. But active and tiresome, I don't think, are synonymous all the time. That there can be an active thing that brings you rest. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. He goes, learn from me. And I want you just to take a second and consider Jesus's agenda in life. So he's the promised one, he's the Messiah, okay? Um, at this point, he's, he's done some serious healings, he's preached some serious sermons, he's got a lot of followers, he's carrying the weight of the world, his goal is to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth, he's come to bring salvation to mankind, he's come to bring people to go from not knowing God to knowing God, and, and all of this is on his shoulders. Like if you think your life has a lot of demands, consider the demands of the son of God trying to rescue the world. Like he's trying to take three years to create something so good and epic that 2,000 years later, I'll be sitting in the ruby talking about it. That's a lot of work, guys. That's a lot on the docket for Jesus Christ. And yet here he is saying, hey, if you'll come to me, learn from me. I mean, he's just so chillaxed in this moment. He's like, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Why can Jesus say that? How does he know he can do that? And I believe it's because Jesus is first and foremost experiencing the truth of this himself. He's like, I'm already doing it. I already know what it is to have the weight of the world on my shoulders and to also simultaneously have rest, right? And so I want to pay attention to a very specific rhythm in Jesus's life. I'm not going to holistically cover the whole topic of rest, I'm going to tap into a very specific part that I do think is the central part of us experiencing genuine, true, soul-level rest. There's this thing that Jesus so consistently does, and it probably won't surprise you that this is what I'm going to talk about, but this thing that Jesus does, it's not inactive. It's not a distraction. He doesn't have a zone-out moment. There's a relationship, an active relationship that Jesus is very focused on, and I believe this is where he goes to find his rest. And Luke, oh, I forgot to mark it, hold on. Oh yeah, I'm there, I turned right there, thank you, Lord. All right, Luke five, check this out. Guys, whew, this is wild. Just, you, just really, just buy in here, because this is insane. But now, even more, the report about Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Are you ready? But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Great crowd. Listen, think about what you think Jesus' mission is, okay? It's to teach and to heal and to show people the way, the truth, and the life, himself, right? So in verse 15, It's all going according to plan. Great crowds gather to hear him talk and to receive healing. I bet you've never pictured Jesus walking away from a crowd like that. Jesus, we're here. What do you got for us? Time out. Walks away. We all understand that Jesus is this powerful, even if you don't believe he's the son of God, we can all agree he's a very powerful teacher who was very effective. But what if I told you the only reason he was this effective in his ministry was because of verse 16? That often when crowds gathered, he would withdraw to desolate places. Think of the word solitude, quiet, no distractions, full attention on God. What if that is what sustained the ministry of Jesus. And I'm gonna give us some references. That, I mean, Jesus is not apathetic or, or unable to tap into emotion. He's very human. He is fully God, but he's very human, fully human. Think about this. In, in Mark chapter one, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's baptized. This is my son, i Well, please, he goes away for 40 days and prays and fasts along with the Father. How's that for Productivity. I would argue this is one of the most productive seasons of his life, but you wouldn't see it on a stat sheet. He just goes away with the Father. I mean, get that into your American minds. wanna be productive? Go be by yourself for 40 days. What? That is not gonna get it done, and I'm not telling my boss that that's my strategy. I need some alone time. (laughs) Like, that's not gonna work. And yet Jesus, before doing anything, goes away for 40 days. The disciples look for Jesus one day to start their day's work. Jesus has been teaching in the synagogues. He's casted out demons, all sorts of just hype stuff. And the disciples are like, hey, it's time to go. This guy is legit. Let's get it going. Morning comes, sunrise. They wake up. All right, Jesus, let's get. Where'd he go? Where's Jesus? They go looking for him. No, this is in scripture. They find him praying in a desolate place with all the urgencies of the world. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Jesus, not urgent, just by himself praying, just with the Father. When one of his best friends, John the Baptist, dies, he's viciously murdered, the first instinct for Jesus in the middle of trauma is to go away to a desolate place, find the Father, just get with God. Moments before his death, Jesus is quoted, he quotes the most stressed out point of scripture. He tells everybody, I'm distressed to the point of death. I mean, look, we're stressed, that's real. We've never touched this. Distressed to the point of death, what's he do? Goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, tells his disciples, hey, stay back, Goes by himself, goes with the Father. Next thing he does, gets up, takes his death in peace, says, Father, forgive them from the cross. I mean, just the peace this guy's walking in. I mean, Jesus is amazing. And over and over again, you watch this guy, and I know he's God, so I'm trying to stop calling Jesus this guy. We watch Jesus slipping away, getting to be alone with the Father, Jesus knew the well that never ran dry. He knew where to go for life, abundant life. I believe this is essential. Jesus knew how to make the most important thing the most important thing. I believe that Jesus placed such priority on his alone time with the Father that everything and everyone had to answer to that priority including sick people that wanted to hear the gospel, that nothing was gonna come before his alone time with the Father, that he knew how to make the most important thing the most important thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of this example. Has anyone ever heard of this? this, the jar, the rock, the sand, all the stuff? I use this every time I talk about this, but you know, there's like this, this teaching where you've got these big rocks, these smaller rocks, this sand and this water, and you challenge the whole, r- I, should have just, I need to just bring this one day, but now you'll know the answer. And you go, basically, just make all of this fit into a jar, and the typical thought is, do the smallest stuff first. It's the most compact. It'll fit the tightest. That's just wisdom, right? And so you put the sand in and the smaller rocks and the big rocks, and then it doesn't work. But if you put the big rocks in first, the littler things, they fall in around it. The sand's even better at finding empty spaces, and nothing's better than water at finding empty space, right? The path of least resistance. So the smallest, most unimportant, oh, no, I'm giving away my metaphor. The smallest things fit in around the biggest things, this is true in life. That jar is your life. The jar, the container is your life. Have you ever found yourself going, the things I care about most, I'm not getting them. I'm not giving them any time. Have you ever found like, yourself going, man, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to like love God the most. I think I'm, I care about friendships the most, and yet right now I have no time for God or friends. Does anyone resonate with this, right? I believe Jesus is teaching us something in the rhythms of his life. He goes, if I'll get my time in with the Father, if I'll go to this well that never runs dry, everything else will work. The salvation of the world will still happen. But if I try to do everything without the presence of the Father, I don't, guys, I don't think Jesus does it. I don't think he's successful. I think he is showing us an essential need. I don't think he's like saying like, this is a suggestion. He's going, no, me, myself, if Jesus Needs time with the Father to get rest away from anxious, burdensome places. Like, if Jesus needs it, y'all, we need it. We need it. And if Jesus had access to it, so do we. We have access to it. And so the next part of this conversation is an application-oriented discussion. Application-oriented discussion. In other words, I, this is not going to be one of the Sundays where you come up to me and go, man. That sermon was amazing. Not that that ever happens, by the way. Gosh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this isn't one of those Sundays where are going to be like, oh my gosh, my heart was just on fire. I mean, maybe. I believe this is the kind of conversation that only gets good when you apply it. And so I'm going to give us a chance to step into application. And I want to remind us, we're going to be passing out, we can go and start passing them out. We're going to be passing out calendars to you and pens. As they're passing them out, just, just stay zoned in on me because I'm going to explain the calendars. But I just want to say this on the front end. What we're about to do as a church family, I believe is an invitation to a gift and not an assessment. And it's important we hear that on the front end that I don't believe we're about to assess or report our li- or give a report card to our own lives, that we grow up in schooling systems, that it's pass, fail, or A, B, C, D, F, you know, what is it going to be? And this isn't one of those moments. I believe that what we're about to discuss is actually just an invitation to a gift for you and to see it as such. There's this thing that is so simple that I think we often overlook, that sometimes when we feel out of breath, we feel fatigued, It can feel ambiguous, ethereal, hard to grab onto. Why do I feel tired? And maybe there's some deep, dark issue that you don't know about that you need to sit with community and God about. However, I also think often it's as simple as, oh, I'm spending a lot of time here and no time here, and it's resulting in this. I think sometimes it's as simple as where our time is literally going, just that simple. There's moments where I'm like, why do I feel despair? God, what season are you bringing me through? And then I'll look at my calendar and go, I have had zero time for friends, zero time for quiet time, zero time for things that just bring me life. The next week I make some adjustments. I'm like, oh God, thank you for bringing me out of that deep, dark season. It's like, oh, it's just my calendar. It's just that simple. And I, I think so often we just overlook this in that in America, in our culture, guys, we are so calendar oriented, whether you know it or not. It's like coffee at 3 p.m., house church at 7 p.m., everything scheduled out two weeks in advance, especially the older you get, the more responsibility you feel. Your life is just on a schedule. And yet somehow it's easy for us to live in a place where we are reacting to our calendar rather than living intentionally to our calendar, rather than shaping our calendar on the front end so that we can live into it rather than living a life of reaction. Does that make sense? And so I wanna spend some time Together, at first, we're just gonna write down and fill out our calendar, and on the bottom of that calendar on the top, write down what is. If you need a pen, raise your hand, we'll get you pens. You need a pen? Okay. Oh, oh, you got them. I'm, I'll be holding this jar of pins for no reason. Um, boom, let's go Packers, let's go. Oh, incomplete. That will not, that will not happen later, that will not happen. Um, so write down what is, and here's what we're gonna do. If you've ever seen like a, uh, a workout uh, like ad or something and they show you the before and the after photo, you ever look at the before photo and you go, why did they agree to like post the before photo? Like my gosh, no one likes the before photo. We only like the after photo. But truth be told, the before photo is what helps us set a goal, Right. It just names what it is, and so for a little bit, I want you to account for every hour on your calendar. Now I know I'm being intrusive. I know I'm like asking you to participate in something, and you may be like, "Look, I came here to hear a sermon and leave. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But I want to invite you. And if you need to like spread out because you're like, I don't want someone like cheating off my calendar, you know, or AKA just knowing what my life is, um, you can spread out. Don't peek at other people's calendars, but just for a few minutes, account for every hour. And if you're like, "Well, I'm a musician. Sometimes I'm on the road. Sometimes I'm not. Just try your best." All right, try your best to account for every hour and just write down how you actually spend your time. Until we know what is, we can't make any adjustments. Again, this is a gift, not an assessment. There is no shame. I showed my calendar to my house church on Wednesday and I was extremely tempted to be embarrassed. I was embarrassed, but went through it. We were tough, so we're gonna be strong together. But write down exactly how you spend your time, not how you wish you were spending it, how you are spending it, then I'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we can do with the what is. All right. Now, I'm about to ask you to do something, and we're going to keep remembering it's a gift, not an assessment. All right? The thought that just came to my mind, it's pretty silly, but let's go for it. I just thought of like, if you ever learned that you had a food allergy, you wouldn't be like, oh, how could I have done this? Like, I can't believe I did this to myself. No, you'd go, oh, I'm glad I know that there's this thing that's causing my body to react a certain way, so I'll make some adjustments so I can avoid that reaction. You know what I mean? It's like, you wouldn't be like really mad at yourself. So I'm about to ask you to do something, and it's like, this is not a beat yourself up moment, but I want you to go back and circle Every space that you have one-on-one time with the Lord, just you and God, he's got your full attention, and go circle it. Now, I know some of us here, they go, I don't even believe in God, so I'm at zero. That's totally okay. Just circle any time that you give to the Lord, any space that you give to just you and God. If it makes you feel any better, this was the worst part of my calendar experience on Wednesday, and I led the discussion myself. (laughs) I didn't think beforehand about what it would say about me, and I was like, oh, shoot, I got some adjustments to make. It's okay. This is a lesson I keep learning, oh, it's like a cyclical lesson, how easy this can get away from me. Just go circle, I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds, I think this is going to be a pretty quick exercise here, just circle. All right, how are you feeling so far? Doing all right? Everyone okay? No, this is really vulnerable for 10 a.m., okay? Okay. is everyone okay? We do, we, are we here still? Are we still involved? All right, we're like half here. Okay, good. Uh, I'll take 50%. Okay. Um, all right, now, as you're looking at your calendar, I'm just going to give you some words that maybe you'll write down at the bottom that will help you assess what is. Just help you figure out, oh, I just said it wasn't an assessment. That will help you pay attention to what is. All right? This first word I want to point us to is this word maintain. Maintain. And so you didn't just write down all bad things in your calendar, right? There's some really good things that you're doing that you need to keep doing. Things like class. We want to keep doing that. You're like, I think I'm going to quit this class so I can get some, get some alone time, right? It's like, you know, there's some things that you're doing. Work. There's some habits you have. Exercise. Whatever the things are. Whatever you say, these are good things. Like me and my friends, every Monday night, we go hang out and watch the game. I don't know. Like just, there's things that you say, I want to keep doing these things. They're good things. They're helpful things. They're healthy things. Or I just enjoy them. Good thing. So the word maintain, just be aware of the things you want to keep doing, okay? The second word is this word maximize, and so I bet you know that the other two words are also going to start with M by now, but this word maximize, which communicates, there's some things that you're doing that other healthy things can fit into. So for example, you go, I typically, gosh, I typically eat every day. That just tends to be a pattern in my life as I eat food, right? It's going, hey, what if every morning at breakfast I read the Bible? Like if. When I ate food, that was when I got some scripture in my life. Or, hey, what if, like, something my wife loves doing. When she goes to work, she goes so ham in worship. She just loves blending worship music and singing and crying to it every, every day on the way to work. So it's like, hey, I always drive to work, so I wonder if there's a way that I can just help this space. Or, man, my prayer life is struggling, but I always drive somewhere. So while I'm driving, I'll pray. Or I always have to walk to class. While I walk, I'll pray. Different things like that, going, hey, what are some things that I'm doing that I'm not going to stop doing that maybe I could just reorient a little bit? All right, if, if that connects. Um, but only do what sounds you know, like helpful to you and not distracting. Um, third is this word margin. And there's this moment where Jesus talks about pruning, cutting things back. There's moments where you have to cut something back in order for it to bear more fruit. And there's just this reality that as we look at our schedule, we go, you know what? I don't think Netflix is a sin, but nine hours of Netflix might not be the best use of my time, right? It's like, you don't wanna demonize anything, but there might be some things you're doing that you go, maybe I don't need to cut it out altogether, but I need a little bit less, like, whoa. Like, you go check the screen time on your phone and it's alarming. I had a friend brag to me that they average seven hours of screen time a day. I was like, good, good job. You know, like, I was like, okay, I don't know how to respond right now. It's great. I scared for you. Uh, but you know, it's like little things like that. Just going, hey, what are some places where I can just cut maybe some excess? Or maybe there's an unhealthy habit that you have that you go just cut it out. And that'll produce free space. And I think all of us would like some more free space. And then lastly, this move into, because I guess there wasn't a good M word that just all fit in one, but what are some things that we can start doing? Maybe there's some new things that you can start doing that will help you be healthier and get more rest, okay? And now, we're not gonna do this next part of the exercise in here, but I wanna launch you out with an exercise as you go into the week. I want you to flip your calendar over, and you'll see there's another calendar, and you were like, was that calendar a mistake? <laughs> no, right? what could be at the bottom, and go, what is a realistic, sometime today, tomorrow, as soon as you can, honestly, sit down with that calendar and go, realistically, like, I'm not going to quit my job, I'm not going to quit classes, but realistically, what would I like my calendar to look like? Those big rocks, what are my big rocks? We've covered one, I think, the most important one, which is time alone with the Father, I believe that as you spend time with God, he brings supernatural rest and self-awareness and emotional health, and all these things come with God, I believe that. But there's other things, like there's friend time that you desperately want. There's time to go on a hike. There's time to sit and read. There's time to do things that you just, why don't I have time and go, man, what could be, and just write out an ideal calendar. Like, these are my work hours, what could fit before and after. What are some things, what's some just free space I could have that I could just bank on? I don't like to have plans, so this is going to be free space. Does that make sense? So what could be, and I just want to remind us that once we see where we are and then we see what could be over there, that is not an overnight thing, right? It's like you don't write the what could be calendar and then the next day go, I'm living into it all the way fully 100%, right? That's what we were talking about last week with Titus chapter 2 where it says that grace trains us and that when we say training, we understand it's a process. And so I would just encourage you to see what is, fill out what could be, and then go, God, what are some just next steps I can take in these different areas and just to head toward the what could be? So I may not be there yet, but I've taken steps towards the what could be. Does that make sense? Does that connect? I would just encourage the mess out of you, take part in this exercise sometime this week it is so helpful to set a goal. When you have a goal, you know where to aim. So think about how you're spending your time now. Think about what you wanna maintain, maximize, the margin you wanna create, what you wanna move into, and then take some steps this week. Um, before you leave, I'm gonna, we're gonna have handouts as you leave, uh, walk out the door. We're gonna hand these out to you. And there's this really helpful tool. I guess it's not really a tool, but hold on. These are four areas that I try to stay really aware of for myself How are my relationships? Whether you're a Christian or not, I think all these are super helpful. The relationships in my life, my physical health, my rest, like my physical, like how I'm sleeping, my diet, those things, mental, emotional health, and spiritual health. We have really keened in on the bottom one, right? Which I would say should be the top one, but... This acronym stands for RPMs, so it's easy to remember. Um, So um, I'm gonna hand these out. They have some like key questions for each category. And I would just please take one, even if you're just gonna throw it away, that's fine. I'm not gonna do anything with it. Like, just please take one. And sometime this week, just look at these and ask yourself these questions just be aware. Remember what I said before, this is an application conversation. If you'll take these, ask these questions honestly, and then aim for like what could be, I believe that God will do so, so much in your life as you just step up in awareness of how you're doing. Okay. Yeah. So that's it for today. Yeah. I don't have like some like emotional ending. It's just calendars. Please do it. (laughs) So we're going to go to communion. And what I want to invite us to do though, is just simply share with one another just what, what, what did you feel today? What's an epiphany maybe you had today? So we're gonna stand, go grab communion, and then circle up into groups of three to five. If you're comfortable doing so, you don't have to. But circle up in groups of three to five. Introduce yourself if you don't know somebody. Um, and then just share, hey, here's what's kind of what stuck out to me today about today's conversation, all right? We want this place to feel like a living room, to feel like just a safe space to be yourself. So you need to walk around, move around, do whatever you need. But let's stand together. Um, as a church, let's stand. You can exit towards the middle. If you're closer to the front, come to the front. Closer to the back, go to the back. We have communion tables in all four corners of the room. And then as you go back to your seats, circle up in groups of three to five, and just simply share, man, what are some things that you were thinking about today as you, as you assessed your calendar, as you thought about it, as you thought about what could be? Just talk about some things that maybe you heard God say to you, some ideas you had.